0: Hello and welcome to another unexciting episode of the Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I'm Joe, I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. You can read me at hashtag basketball, piston powered, Pals of Pistons, and my own site, truckthoughts.com. I am joined, as usual, by Kuka Hill. Uh, There is just a game tonight. We are recording this just about an hour or so after the game got done. The Pistons, of course, lost in overtime to the Miami Heat, 120 to 115. And as per special request, before we do any more intro sort of prep stuff, um, I'm gonna let Koo take it right away, right away. Go ahead, Koo.
1: Okay. If anybody else watched this game specifically overtime and you don't share the same frustrations I have right now, then I'm just gonna look at you with look at you with a side eye. Because after this game, my room is a mess. I, I've, I've been, I don't think I've ever been, I don't think I've been this mad this season so far. So get this. The Heat obviously have a guy by the name of Justin Richardson. He's a pretty good player, if you don't know. So we forced overtime, okay? And Blake Griffin fouled out in the fourth quarter. So the lineup we truck out there to start the overtime period is Reggie Jackson, Langston Galloway, Ish Smith, Andre Drummond, and Glenn Robinson III. Now, I've had, I've had friends, I've had people tell me, well, cool, he, Dwayne Casey wanted to truck out there two ball handlers. Okay, that, that makes sense to start the overtime period with Ish Smith and Reggie Jackson. As we get into overtime, it's pretty clear that Reggie Jackson is going to be the focal point of this offense in OT, and the pick and roll is going to be the main source of offense. And by the way, it looked pretty good. Reggie looked really good. He tried. He played really good, tried his best to win us this game, along with Andre. So once you once once you find out that that's going to be the main source of your offense, and that's just what you're going to do because Reggie Jackson is playing extremely well doing so. Why in, on, on on planet Earth, why on planet Earth is Smith still in the ballgame? When Josh Richardson, by the way, Joe, I'm going to need your help here. He scored seven in overtime, correct?
0: Josh Richardson, I think he scored seven in overtime. His final score line was 27 points, four assists, eight rebounds. Scored those 27 points on 11 of 21 from the field, went two of two from the free throw line. So that is 27 points on 22-shot equivalents, which is highly efficient.
1: So, after hearing that from Joe, don't you think that just maybe if the Pistons have a player, I don't know, we the Pistons have a player, right, that just so happens to be a pretty good defender. I'd go on the bench saying he's been pretty great this season defensively. Do, Joe, do we have a player that that? That is pretty good defensively on the wing. Yeah, there's a guy on
0: the roster who is a pretty high-level wing defender and in particular is adept at taking guys like Josh Richardson who are good wing players but not tall enough to shoot over him.
1: And his name just so happens to be what, Joe?
0: Stanimal.
1: Okay, so that Stanimal didn't see the floor not one single second in overtime. And if you watch the game, Reggie Jackson hit a three on Andre Drummond. Kick out everybody. Now, this is when you know things are going pretty good for the Pistons. Andre Drummond got a rebound, an offensive rebound, and kicked out to an open shooter. Like, the sky is falling, okay? The Pistons should have won the game based off that principle alone. But we hit a three. We go up by two. Coming down the other end, guess who's stuck on Josh Richardson? It's Smith. And gets thrown to foul three-point shooter, Ish Smith. And if he's not going to foul the three-point shooter, who's also adapted to just giving three-point shooters the shot, Ish Smith. And if you watch the play where a driving kick happens to Josh Richardson for a three, the next play after Reggie Jackson's three to give us the lead, Ish Smith goes to jump at him. And because he's so scared of following the 3 point shooter, you see him literally hesitate to even contest. He flies backwards. <laughs> he flies backwards because he's so scared to contest. It just gives Josh Simpson the three. And, of course, he makes it on his way to seven points in overtime and losing the game. And guess who continued not to come in the game? Stanley Johnson. Oh, oh, and by the way, for all you Glenn Robinson lovers out there, and I may be venturing off uh, the thought process that me and me and Joe agree on. Joe may not agree with this, but I'm going here. You guys want Glenn Robinson in the game strictly because he gives us something on offense that Stanley doesn't, ignoring that our defense is going to be so piss poor that it's, it would be ridiculous. The point of him being out there is for the offense, for the three-point shooting. Hey, Joe. Can you tell me who got a wide open kick out three in the corner? The easiest shot in the game, everyone. Who got the Who got the wide open corner three off a of Reggie Jackson kick out?
0: Glenn Robinson the, in the third.
1: And who missed?
0: Glenn Robinson the third.
1: So if the pull the whole point to have Glenn Robinson out there is to have something better on offense instead of the defense, and then that said offense. Misses that said open corner three, which Stanley Johnson probably would have missed as well. Except he would have brought something on defense. Why? What? What were you gaining by that? And then also, if if you're if you're if the point of, if you're going to say back to me, well, he missed it, but we're going to take that shot every day because he's a better shooter. That's completely and utterly fine. But then tell me why is Ish Smith in the game because he's not so much of a catch and shooter either, and he brings nothing on the defensive end. Nothing. And actually, you know what he brings on the defensive end? A higher chance of following a three-point shooter. That's what he brings on the defensive end. He brings a good chance to follow a shooter and give the team three points. That's what he brings. So he's on offense to just stand around. Then he's on defense to follow people. And then we just so happen to have someone on the bench who's just exceptional at defense, and he's just sitting there watching us get scored on to the oblivion by Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson fight is thank he he sure went up to Dwayne Casey after this game and gave this man a kiss on the cheek, <laughs> a good ass hug, and told him thank you for having Ish Smith guard me, thank you for having Reggie Jackson chase me off off ball screens instead of having Stanley Johnson in the game guarding me. Thank you so much, Dwayne Casey. Thank you, Dwayne Casey, for giving the Miami Heat the game in overtime. Thank you, Ish Smith, for doing nothing on offense when you just have to stay in the corner and then on defense do nothing. And thank you, Grant Robinson, the third, for not giving us that much of a plus on defense. And then on the offense, where you're supposed to help us, you missed the open corner three for the game. I'm done. There you go, Joe. You can have it. I hope you guys get an understanding of where this podcast is going, because I don't plan on holding back this game. This is absolutely ridiculous what I witnessed today. I believe I could have done a better <laughs> job. I think I could have done a better job coaching in this overtime. I don't care what anybody says, I don't care how scared Dwayne Casey was. <laughs> Having Blake Griffin on the floor, I needed two ball handlers. The decision was stupid. I don't want to hear from Joe this. Well, I hear I see the logic from it. No, I, I don't care about the logic from it. It was stupid. It played out stupid. We lost the game because of a stupid decision by our head coach, and Stanley Johnson should have been in the game.
0: All set there, Coop?
1: I'll probably be back later. But go ahead.
0: Okay. So. Just to sort of react to a few of the things you said there. So first off, um, not to toot my own horn, but, you know, all off season, I kept telling you guys, it's not going to be very long before you guys get really frustrated with Dwayne Casey's rotation choices and really frustrated with some of his schematic choices. And you boys kept telling me, oh, no, Joe, he's saying all the right things. He's going to get this figured out. He's going to fix that's everything.
1: Say you're right.
0: He just kept... You guys just kept insisting. I was like, nah, man. I paid attention to these Raptors teams the last seven years, especially the last three. I've really paid attention to them. And let me tell you something, man. Raptors fans hated Dwayne Casey at times. Like, there were some game threads on the P- Raptors subreddit that were ugly. And they were ugly because people were sick of Dwayne Casey. I was like, you're going to get some of that. But here's the thing, okay? Glenn Robinson, like you said, that I can say, I am going to say it. I don't care that he missed the three. Um, That's a good shot from a good shooter. And, you know, the whole, well, he's in there to give more offense. He did give more offense. He had 16 points on 12 shots. Yeah, let me just say, I'm
1: sorry. I don't want to make it seem like I got a little heated there. Yeah. Okay, I got I got a little heated there. Glenn Robinson played very well tonight. I believe he had like what a plus twenty three or something.
0: Plus eighteen, which was a game high. Yes,
1: he was. He was. Very, he was really good. Let me give him his credit. I was a little heated earlier, but yes, he played very well. Start yeah. this game,
0: and so. Go ahead. Um, and in particular, I want to make this note just because that sort of thought process is something that I really hate about basketball fans in particular is that one of the things I like about basketball is that you get so much better, you get a larger sample size for things. Um, so in the end, it actually doesn't come down to, well, one guy hit or missed this shot. There's like 100 possessions for each team every game. So the reality is, so just basically that's a thought process that really annoys me. In, among basketball fans when they say things like, oh, well, he missed the one that counted. And it's like, well, the other shots counted too. Glenn Robinson played really, really well. That's a shot that you'll take. That's a shot that you want. I had no problem. I mean, obviously, okay, obviously I care that he missed. It would have been nice for you to hit hit the shot and the Pistons had won. But I'm not. I'm not going to rag on him for missing that. He scored 16 points, 6 of 12 from the field. Obviously, once again, a game high—not just high for the Pistons, but a game high plus eighteen on the night. I'm definitely, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, ups, gonna be upset about that. Glenn Robinson played well. Um, I do agree with you about Ishmith, though. I just, I do not see the logic in playing him in that overtime because. The Pistons pretty clearly decided that they were going to roll with Reggie Jackson hero ball in overtime, which is something that I'm totally fine with. I'm all the way behind that. We've talked about it some on the pod. Uh, in particular, in the last one with Laz, I talked about it a bunch. I want the ball in Reggie Jackson's hands a lot more than it has been, especially when Blake Griffin isn't on the floor. I want the ball in Reggie Jackson's hands. And they did that more, which is good. If you're going to do that, then Ishmith is not giving you a whole lot on offense if he doesn't have the ball in his hands.
1: No, not that's a whole lot. Just just about zero.
0: And he sure as heck is not making you better defensively. But the thing that really sort of pushes it over the, the edge to me with those guys is that Langston Galloway is also on the floor. Um, when you have those three guys on the floor, you're... Basically, ensuring that you're not going to be able to defend anything when you have Reggie Jackson, Ish Smith, Langston Galloway, and Glenn Robinson at power forward. You're basically guaranteeing we can't defend anybody or anything because Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith are both pretty poor defenders um, in the first place, like even before trying to make them both undersized, guarding bigger players. Neither guy is a very good defender and Galloway's a little bit better defender than those two, but not by a lot. And then you make it so that they're having a guard frickin' Josh Richardson. So not only are they below average defenders, even on a good day, now they're defending a guy who's bigger than them and awesome. So you're going to get torched. And so, like, if Blake Griffin had not fouled out, I would have actually liked the idea of playing Ish Smith more. Because then Blake Griffin is at power forward, then he's at the center, and then essentially you've got Blake Griffin as the focal point, and then you've got a pair of ball handlers who can work off of him in Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith. I think that works better, but when you don't have Blake Griffin on the floor, then it's not, well, you've got a pair of ball handlers who, when Blake Griffin draws attention, you've got a pair of guys who can catch the ball and then put it on the floor and attack. When Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond are running pick and rolls, You just need dudes who can go out there and shoot the ball and play defense, or at least one of those two things. Ish Smith does neither. And once again, with Blake Griffin out, and you play Langston Galloway at the three then, essentially, you're ensuring that you're not going to be able to defend anything at all. And that's the thing that really tips me over the edge, is that if Blake Griffin's not in the game, and you're going to play Langston Galloway, and you're set on that, which for what it's worth with Reggie Bullock and Luke Kennard hurt, Galloway's probably your best option, especially given how he played in this game. But if that's the case, don't play Ishmith. Play Stanley Johnson, get some freaking defense on the floor and let Reggie Jackson do Reggie Jackson things because they the ball <laughs> the ball was not in Ishmith's hands. He was doing new no good on offense because no one guards him beyond the three-point line and he just you're you're willingly torpedoing your defense by playing those three guys together. So, yeah, that's basically.
1: Also, also, the thing that just makes it so questionable like even just without saying this, I'm still like Joe can't see me right now because my phone is like the camera's facing the other way. But if he saw my face, I'm just completely dumbfounded. I'm still dumbfounded. We 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 I, I, don't we, we,
0: I don't, we don't need to see you Koo. we can we can hear it in your in your voice. Thank
1: you. Thank you, thank you. I, I like to make sure everyone understands, and I, and I I make an impression on everybody. But what makes it even more dumbfounding to me is Langston Galloway played amazing tonight in the offensive end. He was really well, he played really well in the offensive end tonight. I think he, I know he ended up with what, 21 points?
0: Uh Yeah, 21 points, 7 of 15 from the field.
1: Yes, he played really well tonight. So, along with that, if you're doing with the Reggie Jackson pick and roll, and Reggie Jackson's out there, obviously, with Andre, and Langston's playing, like, tremendously, there's, like, he should be the one in that shooting guard, which is, which is, he was. He was out there, which is obviously makes sense. That's what you should have done. Why is, is Smith needed then? Why is he out there? When, when, why? Just why is he out there when Josh Richardson is on the other squad? You need someone to play defense. You have the pick and roll with Reggie and Dre. And then you have someone, you have GR3 and Langston, who are both having really good games. So why? Just I, I'm just dumbfounded. It. it doesn't yeah. make sense. Well,
0: one thing that I do want to toss out here a second, just for the sake of fairness, Stanley Johnson oh, and his – You in know his... what
1: happens at fairs? You see pigs and whatever the other thing is. You see pigs in, and stuff at, at fairs.
0: In Stanley Johnson's – do you have the box score open? Do I? Yeah.
1: Nope.
0: Do you know what Stanley Johnson's plus minus was in his fourteen minutes? Yeah. That's not a great look there, Koo. But, no, I do agree with you. And it's not even, once again, it's not even just, once again, we've talked about this a bunch, and I'm not a huge fan of the Reggie Jackson-ish Smith pairing on the floor at the same time. I'm even less of a fan of it in important moments at the end of games. But this isn't even necessarily about just that pairing specifically. It's yep. that when you don't have Blake Griffin and you're playing Glenn Robinson at power forward and Langston Galloway essentially at small forward, or honestly, for the most part in this situation, Reggie Jackson was essentially playing small forward. When you've got that, you just you have completely lost your balance. You have no two-way balance. You are ensuring you will not defend anything at all. And you're making yourself super vulnerable on the glass because Andre Drummond's awesome. Obviously, he's the greatest rebounder to ever live. But guess what? Glenn Robinson isn't a good rebounder, especially as a power forward. And then you've got three freaking point guards essentially on the floor to try and box out other guys, which and is we a total
1: situation. At the end, when the ball bounced around and we didn't get the offensive, yep, uh, exactly. The offensive rebound,
0: exactly. So it's just like. It's th- Once again, it's not even necessarily just Ish Smith, reggie Jackson thing. This is a wider picture thing of yep. that. The lineups of, and this has been a trend. I don't have the numbers up in front of me. I'm not going to bother to open them up. But, you know, actually, I'm going to open these up. But ahead, it's been a go. trend. We'll it's been a trend that the Galloway-Jackson-Smith lineups have been terrible this season. And part of the reason that they've been terrible is that Langston Galloway has shot like hot garbage, which uh-huh. I'm almost all the lineups Langston Galloway has been in have been very bad, and it's because Langston Galloway has shot like hot garbage. But it's just you can't defend with those three guys on the floor. You just you're not going to, and especially when Glen Robinson is your power forward, who I wasn't like he didn't play terrible defense in this game. He had a few good moments. There were a couple of times he defended Dwayne Wade late in the game and did a really nice job, but Glenn Robinson is certainly not a high-level defender. You can probably argue, I'd like to see some more, I want to see him more before I make a final judgment, but you can argue that he's even maybe a plus defender overall, but he's certainly not a high-level one. And, you know, You just you're once again you're just you are ensuring that you're going to get torched on defense, and I don't want I don't want any lineups, especially lineup in a close game at the end of the game, that you know for a fact you're going to get slaughtered on one end of the floor. Okay, it's just like I would not be in favor of playing Stanley Johnson and Bruce Brown at the same time down the stretch of games. You know why? Because you're basically ensuring you're not going to be able to score other than desperate, really difficult shots by Reggie Jackson or potentially Blake Griffin or whoever, or having a pair of awful shooters take open looks. I wouldn't be a fan of that either. And it's like, and guess what? Bruce Brown and Stanley Johnson being on the floor is a lot more certain to help your defense than having Lang- than Langston Galloway, Ishmith, and Reggie Jackson is to help your offense. Yep. So it's just like it just doesn't make any yeah it just it doesn't make sense to me why you would play um why you would play a lineup that you just should be able to know is not going to work i mean you know for a fact you're getting torched on defense with that lineup and that's just you know that and they did so it's just it's frustrating if they had not gotten lucky enough that reggie jackson was on in this game they should have probably gotten blown out in overtime. Reggie Jackson, uh-huh. quite frankly, bailed them out at the end of this game because he hit a bunch of shots.
1: Along with Andre on the glass.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, it's just... Uh, here. I'm getting the numbers on the... Just that we have them on the this lineup. Although, it looks like tonight's game is not actually included yet, but... Um, Yeah, I don't think the NBA's stats have tonight's game included yet. But, so before tonight, the Langston-Galloway-Ishmith-Reggie Jackson lineup, per 100 possessions, we've got 35 minutes. So per 100 possessions, 121 points scored, 132 points allowed, minus 10.2. That's terrible. So it's just... I don't know. I don't know why he thought that was a good idea to close the game with. Uh, just, it just to add
1: on to what Joe's talking about. Just to add on. The Miami Heat, who, the biggest guard out the three is obviously Reggie. I believe they had Dwayne Wade. Did they have they had Magruder out there at, towards the end? They brought him in at a certain point. They had Jay Rich and Gordon Rodney. I believe every single one of them are either at or bigger than Reggie Jackson.
0: Yeah, correct? for sure.
1: So then you got, so then so then your tallest guard out of the three guards you're playing, if he's just at not even not even bigger, I'm not sure he's bigger than any of them, but he's just at the height and and he's just as big as their shortest guy, and then you've got two guys who are just significantly smaller than your tallest guy, then it is just like a recipe for disaster. It just doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, so like. Okay, so here's those four guys that you just brought up, right? So we already said Jason Richardson stat line: twenty seven points on twenty one shots. Goran Dragic twenty one points on eighteen shots. Dwayne Wade eighteen points on fifteen shots. Magruder had he only scored five points, so he didn't do anything. But um, yeah, I mean Dwayne, not Dwayne Wade. Goran Dragic is given the Pistons fits in the over the past couple of years because he's too big for Ish Smith, and it's just. Yeah, it's just that's just the case. And here's the other thing with Ishmith, okay? And this is another one that is highly... I actually find this more frustrating than anything else about this, okay? And just the usage of Ishmith and the fact that he's had the ball so much, in particular in close and important situations, is honestly... And once again, there's a lot of things that I'm not a fan of with Dwayne Casey's coaching. This is the biggest thing to me, because... Is that we have we have seen what Ishmith in important moments does, and it's nothing good other than the occasion where he hits a tough shot, which does occasionally happen. But like, and here's why it's so frustrating. Okay, I've said this before. I'm just some asshole on the internet, right? If I'm able to see something, then the freaking coaching staff better be able to see it. And guess what? We know for a fact, we have two years worth of evidence to tell us that against locked-in defenses at the end of games, Ishmith cannot create open looks, whether for himself or for others. He just is not able to do it. Ishmith thrives on taking advantages of holes and mistakes in a defense because he's so fast, he's able to do that. But if a defense stays structurally sound, he cannot do it. And your only respite is going to be either him passing it off and having someone else cough up a a tough shot or him coughing up either an open three-pointer that they give him or trying to find something in the mid-range. Those are your options. It's nothing good. And yet, Dwayne Casey seems to be convinced that Ishmith should have the ball in his hands at the end of games. And it's just like, we know what this looks like. There's two years of evidence to show us. Ishmith is the last guy you want anywhere near your freaking offense in close games at the end of the game. He kills your offense. He does not do anything productive. And then the overtime tonight. There were like two or three times that they tried to have him run a pick-and-roll with Andre Drummond. And each time, he kind of dribbled into the lane, and they shut him off, and he was kind of like, well, I can't do anything, and he ended up passing out to Reggie Jackson, and Reggie Jackson went and bailed his ass out. And it's just like, why even bother letting Smith try anything? We know how this ends. And it ends with him going, well, guess I can't do anything. And he's either going to pass it off and hope someone else bails him out, or he's going to cough up a terrible shot. So it's just, that's honestly, it continues to be the most frustrating thing to me about You, you, doing... want,
1: to know, you, you want to know what's even worse about what Joe just said? Everybody that's listening, what's even worse about what Joe's talking about? If you watch this game, now, I, I don't record the game, so I'm not able to go back and make a little kicks of it or, or anything, but literally, the first like three possessions of the game of overtime, I mean, the first three possessions... A. had the ball in his hands, running pick and roll with Andre. The first three possessions. The first possession, he got the layup. The second possession, he got caught in between making the layup or throwing it to Andre, missed it. Then the third one, we didn't score. And then we fo- I believe we fouled Miami on something, and they were taking three throws, and we got fouled. They- we were- Eddie Jackson walked over to Dwayne Casey. Blake Murphy got up off the bench, walked over to Dwayne Casey. And I, if I'm – now I think I'm pretty good at reading – Reading lips. It looked like that Blake was trying to tell Casey, hey, get Reggie the ball. He pointed at Reggie. He was talking to Dwayne Casey. He was telling Dwayne Casey, let's get Reggie Jackson the ball. Reggie should be touching the ball. And then from then out, then Reggie Jackson finally did it. But it took Blake Griffin getting off the bench. Now, whether this, now maybe I'm taking too much from this. Maybe Blake didn't have as much of an impact as I think he did in trying to get Reggie Jackson the ball in overtime. But we didn't see Reggie Jackson work in the pick and roll until Blake got up and told Casey to start
0: doing it. So I mean, that's the worst part about it. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> and that is, once again, that is the core of my Ishmith is not as good as Dwayne Casey thinks he is. And there's a chance that it's not actually that Dwayne Casey thinks Ishmith is better than he is. There's a chance that Dwayne Casey does not think Reggie Jackson is as good as he is. And either way though, I think he's he is at the start of the season here. I think he's badly misread those two guys because Reggie Jackson is the Pistons' third best player and he is much much better than Ish Smith is. And it's kind of like, look, Reggie Jackson is not as good as Reggie Jackson thinks he is. <laughs> And he's not a super-duper star. He is not as good as Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin brings it and shows up pretty much every night. He even kind of had a rough go of it tonight against the against the Heat. And he still had, what, 24, 15, and 7 or some? Yeah, yeah, literally.
1: And he was diving on loose balls. Yeah. He was hustling, giving it everything he had. Like
0: It was a rough game for him because he, he wasn't as efficient scoring as usual. And once again, still, 24 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists. Like, that's a superstar. Reggie Jackson isn't that. Reggie Jackson's going to have games where he puts up a stinker, you know? And he has a couple times already this season. And that's something that is going to happen with him. But you need to have the ball in that dude's hands. He is so clearly the Pistons' second-best option behind Blake Griffin. It's not even funny. And Dwayne Casey seems to not believe that. And I think unless he does realize that the ball needs to be in Reggie Jackson's hands more and willing, and he has to be willing to accept that some nights Reggie Jackson is going to lay an egg. That's that's part of Reggie Jackson, right? He is not a super duper star. He is not Blake Griffin that even on the tough nights he's going to go out and he's going to produce, even if it's hard. There's going to be some nights where he goes like 3 of 13 from the field and score 8 points. You know? But most games, he's going to produce, and in some games, he's going to produce at an incredibly high level. That dude is able to go get you buckets. That dude is going able to go and facilitate for others. That dude needs the ball in his hands. And unless Dwayne Casey figures that out, this Pistons team is going to continue to struggle because they're basically ignoring their third best player and their second best offensive engine. And so... Yeah, I don't know. that I've, I've talked about this before, but it's just this game really, really hit it home that Reggie Jackson needs the ball in his hands more from now on because they finally let him do stuff tonight, and it's as good as the Pistons' offense has looked all year, quite frankly, which is Reggie Jackson getting to just run some freaking pick-and-rolls because that dude is freaking brilliant in the pick-and-roll. So... Yeah, I don't know. You could say some.
1: I mean, there's nothing really to add on to what you're saying. You've done a. I think we both have done a pretty good job at venting out our frustrations and uh, saying what we needed to say about it.
0: So, um, beyond the our overtime's frustrations.
1: Oh oh the, oh! No, I do have one more thing to say. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I, I forgot. Another thing that I just want to point out that on that final play where. Glenn Robinson had that missed that corner three. Like for those, and I'm one of them who have criticized Reggie for doing too much hero ball and just looking for himself to score. It. And that play right there was absolutely a beautiful play by Reggie. He went in, and, and I bet that most Pistons fans thought that Reggie Jackson was going to force up his own shot there, but he went in, punctured the defense, and and found the wide open player in the corner. That was just a beautiful play. He deserves credit. He played great in overtime. And that that play right there suggests show that play right there shows everything that Joe's talking about with Reggie Jackson needing the ball has more. That play was beautiful.
0: Well, one thing worth noting um, is that so I've already made a clip of that play and I've watched it a bunch of times already, and I actually think in the end Reggie Jackson probably should have just kept the ball and shot it himself because the thing that wow. prompted him. The thing now, once again, you got a wide open corner three for a pretty good shooter, so I'm not I'm not complaining about it, but just so the thing that prompted him to pass into the corner is that Dwayne Wade started to step up. And it turned out before he'd even let go of the ball that Dwayne Wade wasn't actually trying to stop Reggie Jackson. He was just kind of doing the old man Dwayne Wade thing where he's like, look, I'm moving, but not actually even trying to do anything useful. And it left Dwayne it left Reggie Jackson with a pretty open look at the basket. And so he could have pretty easily put up a floater, which we all know Reggie Jackson floaters are, (laughs) I'd be okay with putting the game on the line with Reggie Jackson shooting a floater. That's largely uncontested. So especially because that you've got a great chance for Andre Drummond to rebound it in that situation. So, I mean, look, you're, you are right. He made a, he made the right play just, Upon further review, he, with hindsight, probably should have just kept it. But that's another thing altogether. So, yeah, other than the overtime stuffs, is there any sort of more general things you want to say about the rest of the game?
1: Um, I mean, I, I love Stanley, obviously. You guys, have everyone watch, listening has obviously picked up on that. Maybe just from listening to this one, you obviously can pick up on that. I love Stanley. I'm his biggest fan. I believe he's. I believe he can be really good for another team. Hopefully, really good for the Pistons. But he's not. He's not helping my defense when he goes out there and plays like he did on offense today. Now, I, I now in the first couple of games, like before this game, he wasn't doing those type of turnovers. Like you said, last game when I, last time we did this pod, and I told you that you know if he's not going to be that plus of an offense, he can't be turning the ball over. And you said well, he's being aggressive. So if he's being aggressive turnovers, it doesn't matter. I said, okay, I mean, that's fair. I'd rather have him being aggressive. A couple, of, like two, of, at least two of the turnovers, I don't know if he had more than two, but I can remember two turnovers that he just, those aren't just from being aggressive. That's just not playing well. That's just, he can't do that. So he's not, he didn't help me tonight with that. So there's that they look for. That, that, there's that to take away from it. Um, we already talked about it. Langston played really well. Andre, we haven't talked about that. Andre played absolutely tremendous. Um, I retweeted a tweet today by Josh, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, Herberly. Um, He said that Andre was one rebound shy from joining, I believe, Dwight Howard. And I forgot who the other person was. There was only two other, only two other people, Dwight and someone else, with the most 20, 25 and 25 games in the three-point era. So he played tremendous tonight. And I also saw somebody tweet that he played, like he was doing really good at rim protection too. He didn't have many, like a lot of blocks, but he was doing really good at protecting the rim. Even I like it better too when he gets, he gets some goaltends. At least he's showing that, hey, I'm going to be here. So next time you come down here, you better watch out for it. Because that's, that's, kind of, that's the kind of mood you set when you do some things like that. So Andre played really, really well. Blake played, played really well. Um and yeah, that's that's all. Bruce Brown started, but he didn't play very much. He didn't bring very much to the table tonight. Um and yeah, that's all I got for it. We really need uh Reggie Bullock to come back. I think that's something I saw from this. We really would appreciate Reggie Bullock back, and hopefully, or Bullock as Joe has corrected me before. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we need him back and need him to get back to shooting like he he should be shooting. Or I don't see what this team's gonna do really.
0: Well, I mean. Whew, excuse me. You are you are right about Reggie Bullock um, and also Luke Kennard. I think even though he hadn't done a lot early in the season, I think those two guys are going to be really, really important to any success the Pistons may find later on. Um, I actually, one of the main got, the starting lineups I've mostly advocated for this offseason was not actually Glenn Robinson in place of Stanley Johnson. The one I wanted was play Reggie Bullock and Luke Kennard on the wings. Just because I see that as the Pistons' best chance. So, I guess this sort of goes to a wider theory of basketball for Joe. I think if you can find something with your team to really truthfully dominate and be a lead at, freaking do it. Like, sacrifice other stuff if you have to. Find Find the thing you're best at and do that awesome. And just dominate that and worry about other things. And I think that if you started a lineup of Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Reggie Bullock, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, that lineup would, they would not defend a whole lot, but that would shred offensively, hypothetically at least. You've got a pair of elite level shooters, a couple of really good ball handlers, and of course Andre Drummond rebounding, rolling to the basket, etc. So... I really, I've kind of wanted that lineup at the very least to be a heavy usage lineup. And neither of those two wing players are playing. And missing Reggie Bullock is a huge deal, though, because he's, I think, pretty clearly he's the Pistons' fourth best guy. So, and also his chemistry with Blake Griffin is really good. It helps keep some pressure off Blake because Blake's comfortable playing two man ball with him and such. So, yeah. But here's the other thing to remember. Every team is missing at least a couple guys already. I mean, the the Heat were without just... Not just as Winslow. They were without Hassan Whiteside. They were without James Johnson. They've been without DM Waiters, although DM Waiters isn't actually that good. But, like, they were out without Hassan Whiteside and James Johnson, who those two guys are probably at least as important to the Heat as Reggie Bullock and, and Luke Kennard are to the Pistons. So, I mean, I do think that the return of... Reggie Bullock will help the Pistons a lot. He's very, very important to what they do, or at least what they want to do. But it's just, to be fair, you know, it's not like the Heat had all of their guys. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a frustrating loss. Pistons drop below, yeah,
1: really bad.
0: Pistons drop below five hundred, which I mostly poo-poo a lot of the mental things people talk about because. Um, these guys are professional basketball players. Like, I think a lot of the mental stuff people talk about, oh, well, momentum and this and that and all this other crap. I think it's mostly crap. I think guys go out, especially in today's NBA, almost everybody plays pretty hard almost every night. Guys, you don't hear nearly, other than teams that are total trash fires, you don't hear nearly as much crap about various things just because they're all professionals and everyone's making such a stupid amount of money these days in the NBA that that sort of thing is just less of an issue. I do think there is a very real mental block with falling below 500. And I think that's something that it'll be important for the Pistons to bounce back from. And for what it's worth, their next two games are against the magic and the Hawks, neither of whom are, you know, good. So the Pistons have a very good chance to bounce back, get back above 500. But, just, yeah, bad loss, frustrating loss, and it's just, the Pistons still have not really beaten a good team this year, which that remains probably, that's the biggest issue so far, I think. They've not beaten a good team this year, and they haven't, They haven't. I guess here's the best way to put it. The Pistons have really not had a convincing win this season. They've beaten bad teams in really close games, or lost to teams that are better than them. The closest thing they have to a convincing win was their win over the Sixers, but that was a Ben simmons list Sixers. And, you know, for all the jokes about how he can't shoot, which, you know, deservedly so, that those are have jokes made about them. Have, that people make jokes about that. But Ben Simmons is hugely important to what they do. So, you know, it's just... They really do not have a good win yet this season. They've beaten some bad teams. That's basically what they've done. And now you can't even hang your hat on the idea that, well, they've been winning, though. I mean, they're 4-5 and five now. And also, um, the Pistons' net rating, so per 100 possessions, their net rating is now minus 2.6, which is 20th in the NBA. And, you know, that's... Uh, <laughs> That's really, really not good. Their offensive rating is down to 25th in the NBA, and their defensive rating is up to 12th. So their defense has been getting better, which actually the eye test does confirm that their defense has been getting better. I thought tonight was about as together, at least, from an execution standpoint, that they've been on defense pretty much this entire season. But their offense has been steadily declining and it's now very bad. And overall they have been a mediocre team this season. There's just there's no way around that. And you know, as much as Vincent Ellis can say, Oh, well, I've just been gnashing my teeth, and that Andre Drummond and Rod Beard can say, Well, Lesh, well, they they were winning some games. There's a reason that we were worried about it when the Pistons were four and and0. And that's because it's four games. I like you beat some bad teams. And there's some numbers in here that tell us that there's some real flaws with this team that must improve. And not only have those flaws not improved, most of them have actually gotten worse, other than defensive execution. And so it's just, I'm worried, honestly. I am a little bit worried. Um, Certainly it'd be foolish to panic or anything like that. You're not that far into the season. A lot of things will get better going forward. Like, Reggie Block is going to start hitting threes. Um, You know, guys will shoot better. Reggie Jackson will shoot better than he has so far this season, etc., etc. But I am hugely... Honestly, I hate the way Dwayne Casey has coached this team. I hate almost every single schematic thing that he's done this season. And I think... I agree with Joe. And especially offensively. And it's so frustrating because... This team has enough firepower that they could be an incredibly high-level offensive team. Once again, you've got a legit superstar in Blake Griffin. You've got a a solid point guard in Reggie Jackson. You've got one of the best rim runners and offensive rebounders in the entire league in Andre Drummond, who also is a good passer for a big man. You've got a pair of elite shooters in in Reggie Bullock and Luke Kennard. You've got another really good shooter in Langston Galloway. You've got a decent Swiss Army knife type in Glenn Robinson. Stanley Johnson can get out and transition at the very least, etc., etc., etc. John Luer is not a terrible offensive player at the center position at least. Like, they have enough firepower that this team could be awesome on offense. And they've been bad on offense this season. And... I guess here's a here's a bigger thing, too, with their defense, because their defense is all the way up to 12th now, which is good. And some people have talked about this other places, but their defense is causing teams to take the right kind of shots at the very least. But so who did they do? If you look at – so their defense is up to 12th. What do you think is the best offense they've played so far this season?
1: Uh no, I don't know.
0: The best offense that the Detroit Pistons have played here in the early season is the Brooklyn Nets, and the Brooklyn uh, Nets are 13th. The Miami Heat are 14th, and both of them are higher now because they played the Pistons. So almost every team, even though the Pistons' defense is ranked 12th, almost every team that has played them has outperformed their previous games. So it's early enough that I'm not too judgmental on that. Um, as we've talked about before I'm really not a fan of having Andre Drummond drop into the paint so much I'd rather have him outside attacking ball handlers and whatnot. but as a sort of total defensive scheme, it's not bad it, 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 It's okay but offensively I hate almost every single thing that they've done offensively um, This game is the closest to getting it right as they've been They've let Reggie Jackson handle the ball some more. They use Blake Griffin in ways other than just having him post up t- 20 feet from the basket every single possession. But I really I think that Dwayne Casey is a problem for this team. I thought he was the wrong hire at the time. I think he's the wrong coach for them now. And pretty much their only hope is that Blake Griffin continues to play at such a comically high level and doesn't get hurt that he can drag them kicking and screaming to offensive competence and that the defensive scheme works out long-term. Which, there is a decent chance that works out, and they can scratch their way to like 46 wins. But I truthfully think that if they could figure out how to properly utilize their offensive talent, I think this team could be an absolutely killer offensive unit, and they would be a much better team for that. So, I don't know. It's early enough that I don't want to panic too much yet, but I am a little bit worried about it. And there's a lot of things that I really don't like. And so here's, here's the best example of the offensive issues, okay? Where do you think the Pistons rank in true shooting percentage as a team? 28th. 29th. So the only thing that's keeping their offense even remotely afloat is the fact that they have the greatest rebounder to ever live on the roster. Andre Drummond is the lone thing keeping their offense afloat because he just gets them so many opportunities to shoot. They take more shots than their opponents do, and that's it. If it wasn't, like, that's the thing. That's another thing for what it's worth. People people are so stupid. Andre Drummond doesn't make you, he's a bad offensive player. Andre Drummond is the pillar holding up the Pistons offense. There you go. There, that's something for you. Andre Drummond is the pillar holding up the Pistons' offense because they are stupidly inefficient, and Andre Drummond bails them out by being such a good offensive rebounder. So, not
1: yeah. Joe, not Joe. Andre Andre Drummond sucks. He's not a very good rebounder, so, and rebounding doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, I mean, so him and then obviously Blake Griffin's been phenomenal. I don't want to over- understate that, of course, but those two guys are single-handedly propping this offense up from being an utter sh- trash fire. And a big reason for it is that Smith has been on the ball a ton. Reggie Block will shoot better. That will help. But I just – I don't know, man. I really hate a lot of what they're doing on offense. And it's a
1: – certain point. at a certain point, this little teeth gnashing and, oh, it's early. At a certain point, that goes out the window because it's been – what is it now? It's been nine games. What what Joe and, – and I'm giving Joe a lot of credit for this because Joe seemed to be – the most knowledgeable one on Casey's previous years and what he's done in uh, Toronto. And he said that uh, literally it'd be different if like, these were like issues that have came up and well, you can, we'll fix them. But literally I'm not lying to any of you guys listening. Every single thing that's happening right now, Joe told me in the off season was going to be, he told every single thing that's a problem right now. Literally. I'm not, I'm not lying to you guys. I'm not trying to hype up my friend. No, like literally everything that we've complained about and everything that's went wrong and is not doing good, Joe literally told me all of this before the season was going to be a problem because this is what Dwayne Casey does, so at a certain point, this whole is Keith nashing gets early no it's no, it's time to be i i I wrote an article towards the beginning when we were four 0 actually no, after the loss to Boston, the blot loss, and my the point of the article was well, the Pistons have handled their business against teams they should handle their business against, and plus. That's, that's out the window. I look like an idiot for right that. <laughs> now. That is out the window now. And you guys, people can tell me it's early. I'm close, to, I'm close to clicking or pressing the panic button because everything that Joe told me before this season was going to be a problem with Casey and this team. Is the exact same problem that he told me it was going to be, and it doesn't. It's not looking like it's getting better. It's not looking like we're making a much a concerted effort to make it different. It doesn't look like it's. He's like, oh well, I'm gonna try my hardest to be different than what I've. Been. No, it doesn't look like that. It just like Joe said, if if this team makes the playoffs, and 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 as the as more games go by, Blake Griffin's little, oh, we want to compete for home court advantage. Yeah, good luck with that one. That that that's 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 looking more and more like. Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are about to just have to drag this team. Wherever they end up, they could end up like 38 and what 43 is that? What, 38 and 44. Yeah, and they could end up like that, and every Pistons fan should still be sending Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond a thank you note because if they if we do get to something like that, it will be strictly because they carried us there. And I, I'm getting I'm I'm quite worried about this team now. I'm quite. You can you can point to injuries to Reggie Bullock. And Luke Kennard, and that they're not shooting, Bullock wasn't shooting very well, that's fine. But that's not the point of me being panicked right now. It's the fact that literally every single issue that Joe told me is an issue right now, and it's causing us to lose games that we should win. That little, if if we were winning games and handling business like I wrote we were doing, if we were still doing that, then I'd be telling Joe, well, at least we're handling our business against those teams. That will get us somewhere just by itself. But we're not doing that right now. Now we've done lost five straight, and we've taken a couple bad losses. And it's not looking I'm, – I'm very worried about this team. It's, it's, I'm very worried.
0: Well, I mean, just to – once again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but to tack on to what you're saying, okay, is that it's like people who are saying, oh, Joe, you're just – you know, once again, the teeth gnashing, okay? I'm like one of the last people – Who's trying to jump on small sample sizes? Like I'm, I'm that sort of a nerd that I'm like, I yeah, I want a larger sample size before I judge this or that. Like one of my biggest gripes with trying to start Glenn Robinson III right out the gate this season is that even though he shot pretty well from three in his career, he has not taken a high number of them. He hasn't taken enough of them in his career that I really trust him. He's taken less coming into the season. Glenn Robinson has taken fewer three-point attempts from deep in his career than John Lure had when he arrived in Detroit. And guess what? John Lure's three-point percentage when he arrived in Detroit was like 37%. So that's just, you know, I'm Mr. Sample Size. I'm not worried about Dwayne Casey and the way he's coached the Pistons because of the first nine games of this season. I'm worried about it because of the way he coached the Raptors for the last seven years, you know? So that's the thing that I want to really try and emphasize to people is that it's not because the Pistons are 4-5 that I'm worried about this. It's because the Pistons are 4-5, and like you said, everything that I thought was going to be an issue has been an issue. And the reason I thought those things were going to be issues is because those were issues the last seven freaking years in Toronto. So, like, the Pistons have currently have the second-worst assist rate in the NBA. They assist on fewer buckets per game than every team in the NBA but one, right? And the bigger issue than that even is that they're not even taking that good care of the ball. They're turning the ball over too much. They're like, they're like, uh, they're where are they ranked? They are ranked 30th in assist-to-turnover ratio in the NBA. They have the worst assist-to-turnover ratio in the NBA yeah. by a pretty but wide margin,
1: too. The teams there are, that's last.
0: Yeah. Like, by a pretty wide margin. (laughs) I mean, and that's been, other than last year, where Nick Nurse took over the offense, that's been a staple of Dwayne Casey teams. They don't pass very well. They don't assist very well. And it's just, I don't know, man. I'm a little frustrated by it. But, once again, trying to stay positive. The Pistons do have a couple of winnable games coming up next. Take care of business in those two games, and you're not too far off track if they lose, God forbid, they lose both of those games, then it would probably actually be like, okay, let's let's be worried because Blake Griffin has been healthy and he's been playing really well. And if you're losing games like this when Blake Griffin is all the way healthy and playing at a high level, you're screwed, simply put. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. (laughs) Guy, closing thoughts, Koo?
1: Um, I mean... Not really. I think I've I think I've vented a lot yeah. of it. we've both done some up.
0: venting here. We've both yeah. some, done some real venting.
1: So yeah, we have. Uh, this was a good. This was a good pod. A good pod. No, oh, actually. Oh, um, go ahead. I didn't, I didn't. do this at the beginning. I didn't do this at the beginning of the pod. Um, you can find me at Kuka Hill NBA on Twitter. That's K-U-K-H-A-H-I-L-M-B-A at Kuka Hill NBA on Twitter, and then also. I've made it, I'm have made i making my return to YouTube. I just made my first video in, like, a month, like, uh, a couple of days ago. It was about, of course, my man's Derek Rose dropping 50. But I do plan on going back to YouTube, so you can find me there at uh, Koo's Ballroom. Look that up. I'm going to be coming out with regular content from then, And you can also find my work at Piston Powered and at Joe's site, Truck Thoughts. Oh, and Joe, you have to talk about it. Yeah, that way. yeah.
0: So... Um, so we got a, we got a little promotion going with this truck thought site, um, with the wonderful green dot stables, which is a restaurant in Detroit. They also have a location in Lansing, um, where I
1: met Joe for the first time.
0: Yep. So it's sort of, so I live in grand Rapids, which is on the West side of Michigan. Um, when I'm every time, pretty much that I make the trip over to Detroit, whether it's for a Pistons game or, you know, whatever else, sometimes we go to Tigers games or just to see family who live over there. Pretty much, that's my go-to spot. So that's always where I go. They do sliders, that sort of thing. It's really, really, really good. And yeah, that's where we had um we had a Pistons Twitter summit there once with me, Koo, Brendan Welper, and Sham Sham God. So yeah, we're it's it's a really nice, it's a good restaurant. I I love that place so much. So I just yeah, hit it's
1: them up. Really good. The food's really good there. I find myself because even when we went. Uh, Joe was like, "Who cool, you're not eating enough because of sliders. And I was like, no, nah, I'll be good. I find myself every time we talk about meeting up being mad at myself that I didn't get more because it was so.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, and, like, this isn't even, like, part of an ad read that they're making me do. Like, they were just like, you can going to have these gift cards as a giveaway. Like, I'm just being honest. I love that restaurant, so I just hit them up, and I'm like, hey, you guys want to do any sort of a promotional thing? They gave us some $20 gift cards, and here's the, basically how you can win them. So there's four of us who write for Truck Thoughts, me, Koo, of course. And then there's also John Zuck, who's on Twitter at John and then Tyler Mormon, who's at Tyler Mormon. He's got some numbers. I should probably double check that. Um, but so there's all four of us, and how you can enter to win is follow us on Twitter and retweet stories from us this month, and then Each writer has a $20 gift card to Green Dot Stables that they will give away at the end of the month. So for your best chance to win, make sure you follow all four of us and retweet stories from all four of us all season. And here, Tyler Mormons is T-Mormon, that's M-O-O-R-M-A-N-N-B-A at the end. So T-Mormon NBA. So that's the last of um, us. And then, of course, John is John Zuck B-Ball. So, yeah, so follow us on Twitter, retweet stories, and at the end of the month, you'll have a chance to win a gift card, a $20 gift card, to Green Dot Stables for use at either their location in Detroit or also at Lansing. Um, so, yeah, and there's, there's no strings attached or anything like that, uh, and for your best chance to win, follow all four of us, and of course, remember that because none of us actually have that large a Twitter following, so... You've actually got a very real chance to win if you do this. So. <laughs> um, especially John, he's only got like 90 followers or something like that, and he's from Sacramento, so a lot of his followers are from out there. So if you can be one of the like 10 of people who follow him from Detroit, you'll have a very good chance at winning his gift card. So And I have
1: like I have like 2,007 followers, but that is a miss That was from like back in high school when all those little follow trains happened. I have, I'd probably say about maybe... I maybe have a hundred people that follow me strictly because of like wanting to follow myself or anything. Maybe that, but that's a, if you if you think Joe's lying to you because you go and look at my followers, like, well, he lied. about Kuku has two thousand. So no, that's a that's a mis, that's this misleading.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's the thing. There was one other thing that I was supposed to say too, that I think I forgot already. Um, not with the promotion. So yeah. So follow all four of us on Twitter. Retweet stories this month, and you'll have a chance to win a $20 gift card for the, for Green Dot Stables. So, yeah, that's cool. That's our, fir- our first official promotion with the site. And then there was one other thing that I was going to say, but I forgot it. So we're going to put a pin in it, I suppose, for now. So, yeah. Um,
1: Make sure to subscribe to the uh, oh. podcast.
0: There you go. Subscribe to the podcast.
1: Subscribe
0: to the podcast on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts can be found because this is indeed a fine podcast. And so, yeah, frustrating loss, um, but very good chance to bounce right back. And everything is – there's a decent chance everything's going to be fine. You know, if they bounce back and then the next game Blake Griffin scores 80 points and they win by 30, we're all going to be like, oh, it's all good.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. Um stay beautiful everybody and go Pistons.